1: It is an anti-scientific scourge around the whole world. I'm talking about what experts call vaccine hesitancy. Toronto's Medical Officer of Health is recommending to the province of Ontario not to allow exemptions of vaccinations for children based on parents' religious, or philosophical objections. Currently, school children are required to get vaccinated in Ontario, but parents are able to appeal based on medical, religious, or philosophical reasons. So a small but steady increase in these exemptions from 0.8% for measles, mumps, and rubella uh, has gone all the way up to 1.7%, and it's a trend that's seen provincially, and I believe that up to 20% of people are, quote, vaccine hesitant, and that is a danger for us all. So I'd like to hear from you. What do you think? Is this a good idea? Is it going to make you or your loved ones safer if this goes into effect. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 740 And, you know, we're heading into flu season, and there are a lot of questions around the flu vaccine as well. And just to give you some numbers on that, every year, approximately 12,200 hospitalizations because of the flu in Canada. 3,500 deaths because of the flu in Canada. And, and I don't have a number on the, on the people who lose their independence because they get sick, they go into hospital, and then they cannot go home again. Uh, so the numbers to call, 416 toll free, 1-866-744-740. And I am here with family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Hello. Hello, Libby. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate
2: it. Great conversation on this. I was very excited and very welcoming to Eileen DeVillas, our public health persona, who has made some very interesting announcements on getting rid of the non-medical exemptions for vaccinations for kids. And this actually holds hands with the health of seniors in a huge way. So she came up with six main recommendations. First, she said, get rid of the exemptions that are non-medical, which makes a lot of sense. And secondly, she makes a call to social media, specifically Facebook, Google, Twitter, to put an end to the misinformation that's being promulgated. And I think that'll have a huge effect.
1: Yeah, good luck with that, is what I say. Well, I don't
2: know how you police such things. I, I mean, there was—I
1: I think you were in—but there was this this case of uh, a big outdoor billboard with an anti vaxxing message, and that was taken down. But it it was taken down as a business decision, as opposed to anyone had to. I I didn't even realize that,
2: and I think that's just. Horrible. Like, you know, so one of the things that Eileen Davila points out, Dr. Davila says we should update advertising standards to prohibit such misinformation from occurring. And I totally welcome that. Um, but she made a couple of other interesting decisions as well. Like, this is not a decision, but rather this is to push to the Board of Health that these are considerations that they should, in fact, accept. And another one is that we should educate our children better on vaccinations, that, that we need to, the, the district school boards need to adopt curriculums on vaccines and
1: vaccine-preventable diseases. Well, it's interesting. So the statistics is that vaccines have been the most useful health intervention ever. Ask your
2: seventh grade grandchild, if they know why they're getting vaccinated against hepatitis B? For that, for that reason, you may even ask yourself, why do I need hepatitis B vaccine? Why do I need to be vaccinated against the human papillomavirus? And the answer is, is because these are cancer-preventing vaccinations, and they're also largely taken by sexual transmitted infections, so skin-to-skin contact or contact with fluids.
1: Okay. And and the flu, where I hear all kinds of wacky things about the flu vaccine, and it's true that from year to year it's not necessarily as effective as it could be. But you know, there there was an influenza epidemic a hundred years ago. It killed a hundred million people. Oh my
2: gosh. We are we are just so complacent. And you know, it I'll remind you that in Australia This year, they're having a large outbreak, which is early because this is now their winter. They're coming out of their winter. And what we saw was a large number of hospitalizations and deaths directly relating to influenza. So we look to Australia to predict what is going to be coming to Ontario and to the rest of Canada.
1: Do they have approximately the same level of this vaccine hesitancy? I actually don't know
2: the numbers on it. Good question. But... From what little, what I do know about Australia, they probably do what they can to make it mandatory.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Eileen in Newcastle. Hello, Eileen. Hello, yes, thank
3: you for taking my call. It's just um uh, 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 sorry uh, information on, um, for the vaccine, and more for the vaccine. Now, it's nothing was proven on this, but my husband and I are both in our 70s. And, um, we both had measles as infants because we had older siblings, went to school, brought everything home. And, um. Before there was a vaccine, obviously. There wasn't one then. Yes. No. no. So, I, I have what, I had as a child what they called lazy eye, the weak muscles in the eye and your eye is looking in a different direction and I had operations. My husband is totally deaf in one ear and they said it was a nerve. Um, but the doctors at the time, attributed to having measles at a very early age. So it's the side effects you've got to think about, not just the, the measles itself, which is bad enough, but what can come out of it. Is, um, I don't know if you know Rowan Dowell, the author, he had a child that had uh, resulted from measles, and encephalitis. And swelling of the brain, and that was from measles. Oh, I'll let Iris respond to that.
2: Eileen, thanks so much for bringing that in. These are complications, not of the vaccination, but rather of the disease. And you're absolutely right. Measles actually results in death in about one in a thousand patients. So once you've had measles, like as in your case, or anyone born, um, after, sorry, before 1970, we do not recommend a second vaccination. But for those who were born after 1970, they should have two vaccinations of measles, mumps, rubella. But that but my, said, I, you're I, absolutely right. And, and those people,
1: in having had the measles, uh, puts you at risk for shingles, right? Uh, not or no, measles. that's chickenpox. Sorry, oh, that's my, chicken bad. Pox. Wrong my, my, my bad. My bad, my <laughs> bad. Okay. Okay, Eileen, thanks for that. That's a good reminder to people.
3: Yeah, and then, like, my three children did have rubella. And um, one of them had mumps, and they all had chicken pox. But they still were told when they were around 11 or 12, when the letter came home, that they still had to have a vaccination, even though they'd had rubella. But, um, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's protection. And it's like I say, it's not the actual illness itself. It's what might result from it. The people would only realize.
1: Thank you very much for that. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Yeah, uh people because I think part of this whole thing is and and what is really scary, some of these diseases have basically been wiped out and they're making a resurgence now, and people don't remember how serious they are. They think, ah, oh, that's nothing. And all of
2: infectious diseases, when we're talking about what have we really conquered, the answer is polio, and then even maybe, because there's the odd case that is unfortunately still cropping up. And frankly, there's no excuses. If we would get our act together, in theory, we could, we could do a lot to eliminate these diseases, much more.
1: Uh, now, I know you, you deal with people who have this vaccine hesitancy, and, and we've talked about this before, and, and you're quite patient with them. I, I wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> well, at one time I wasn't. I have to eat the humble pie on that. I mean, at one time I'd show them the door. I'm like,
2: if you're not taking the vaccines, that's it. You know, what, what can we talk about? And what's interesting is that a new study came out and suggested that that may not be so off of what patients want. So one study asked parents, and this is fascinating, ask yourself, would you want your child to see a doctor where you knew a patient had not been vaccinated? You know, so in other words, your child could potentially have an exposure. And not Just surprisingly, a
1: at, at you mean get, pick it up in the doctor's office?
2: No, no, no. 43% of parents said that they would not want to attend a doctor's office in a waiting room where they knew children who were not vaccinated were attending. Oh, okay, yes. You know, so it's it's a large number of people who are saying, gosh, I, I, it's only fair that I get protected and not have exposure to potential diseases in a healthcare facility.
1: Right. Uh, but how do you even... Yeah, I mean, it's just—it's
2: not to say that doctors have to do this, but it's just to reflect that patients and people—we don't want exposures. We don't want to have exposures. So that that brings the conversation to a different plane, which is, do doctors have a right
1: to expose patients knowingly to diseases in their waiting rooms? Well, obviously, there's all kinds of stuff floating around in the doctor's office. Think how contagious (laughs) influenza
2: is. So that's why if we get the more people we get vaccinated, the less likely that exposure is to take place.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Carol in Mississauga. Hi, Carol.
4: Hi. uh, It's Libby. Libby. How are you? Fine. Go ahead. You're on the air. Um, I just wanted to comment that uh, with all the measles going around, I'm 68, and I thought, well, I better check with the doctor and see if I need a vaccination or a booster. And uh, he said, well, you were born before, you know, whatever year it was, you don't need one. And I said, well, let's do a blood test and see what my immunity is. We did a blood test I had absolutely no immunity to the measles. So he said, get in here and get your your shot. I did. Two hours after I got my vaccine, the MMR shot, uh, I ended up with runny eyes, runny nose, coughing, choking, all that kind of business. And from then on, I continued to get sicker and sicker. And then 12 days later, I erupted in major... Uh, measles all over the place i was just totally covered and sick as a dog uh so i went in and he said oh definitely you've got it and he didn't believe that i had gotten it from the vaccine and so they sent it out to the disease control center in winnipeg and they tracked it back to the vaccine and said that's definitely where you got it um i know it's a necessary or i feel it's necessary to get it but what I'm having a fit about at this point, I just had another blood test uh, past few days ago. They say that uh, the Board of Health was telling me that even though I had the vaccine and I had the measles, uh, I probably would not be immune to getting another dose of measles if I came across someone with measles. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I've gone through all that. But they said you can't have your booster because if you get your booster... um you're going to be in really big trouble because oh. you, you know.
1: Okay, Carol, I'm going to let Dr. Gorfinkel respond. Uh, uh, sorry to hear about your illness. Carol, it uh, sounds like you went through a really hard time,
2: and I'm sorry about what what I'm hearing, but understand that in the, gosh, I've been in practice now, it's hard to believe, but 27 years of full-time practice, I have never seen anyone remotely having a situation like yours. So, I'm sure these situations exist, but when we talk about recommendations on a public health level, we're talking about what is better for the many. We're not talking about the odd exception. And I hate to say that, but I think you were that odd exception. You won a terrible lottery, and I'm surprised. I never even heard that that could happen, that you could actually get measles from the shot. I did not uh, Hear and, of anyone having that?
1: Yeah, I, I would. I would uh, want to look over whatever those results were from whatever lab that was, absolutely, uh, because that might, um, you know, possibly being misinterpreted. What happens next to this recommendation? So Eileen DeVilla
2: has penned the recommendations, and they are formal recommendations which are being made and heard by the Board of Health on September twenty third. It's expected that the Board of Health will ratify and accept these changes, at which point it goes to the next level, which answers the question. Are we going to accept her recommendations? Personally, I find her recommendations come from a place of solid evidence. They make a tremendous amount of sense to me.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, this isn't going to happen in time for flu season. <laughs> I Maybe. only wish. Oh no, no, no! Um, it's not going to happen. And
2: never mind. I don't think it would actually affect how doctors provide the influenza vaccination. Although, to be fair, one of the one of the one of the features of it is she calls for you know prohibiting false advertising and better oh.
1: policing on Facebook, Google, and Twitter. From well, yeah, th- good luck with that, as I, just, as I said. Exactly. But but it just by not allowing these exemptions because there's a lot of it on the flu and even I've even heard it from people who are you know call themselves medical professionals naturopaths uh, and I'm not even talking about homeopaths which is like total total quackery, total snake say, it, quackery. quackery. Yeah, say it quackery alert hello. okay okay let's uh, take a call from Stephen Burlington hi Steve hello hi how are you fine you're on the air please go ahead
5: oh, I just find the, the the way you guys are presenting presenting this isn't really representative like saying quacks and things of that nature and the last two commenters were you know uh, seniors and when you're in the people in the space when they have young kids they're not it's not like it's a it's not a philosophical reason that people have hesitancy it's because um, in certain circumstances. They're not feeling like they're getting full information. Like the woman just came on and said that the vaccine caused the measles and it gets dismissed away as if this is a one off. And it's when you go and actually lobby social media, it's not a one off. Vaccine injury is something that happens all the time. Well,
1: I don't think that's actually right. Iris, do you want to respond? You know, Steve, I appreciate the comments. The thing about it is I'm not saying
2: we should eliminate a person's right to talk about what they're experiencing. I'm talking about deliberate misinformation. And let's not confuse those two issues. Deliberate misinformation is out there. And I think as health consumers, we need to not only be aware of it, but very leery of it. So I'm people have a right to describe what experiences they've had. When it comes to public health decisions and how we go as a society, this is based on evidence. It's based on what is good for the mass of people. It is not based on the one-off story. So I appreciate that Carol experienced a negative side effect that was bad. But on a population basis, it's highly, highly, highly exceptional. It's so exceptional that in my 28 years of practice, full-time, I've never seen or heard of anyone like her. It took everyone by surprise. So we cannot base our policies on individual stories that are truly, as you put it, one-offs.
1: Okay, let's go to Frank in Ancaster. Hi, Frank.
5: Hi, uh, good afternoon. I'm glad to get a hold of you. Now, this might be a challenge for you, and I'm not asking for a direct diagnosis. I just want some advice from you, from your depth of experience. Now, I'll describe my situation. I am... Uh, I'm vulnerable to motion sickness. I've had been all my life. I've had some incidents where it put me back uh, on my back end when I was going somewhere, and, and it took a while for the recover, on a given day, that is. Recently, I was in New York, and I took a taxi from the hotel to the airport on the return, and it was in very, very heavy traffic, and I had wristbands. You must be aware of the wristband uh, deterrent to having the motion sickness. Maybe you're not, but I had those on. When I got to the airport, I could hardly stand up. And they had to take me wheelchair, um, you know, the Kennedy Airport's like, through 50 different Departure zones to get to my flight, and I almost missed it. Uh,
1: Frank, now, uh, Frank, I'm sorry. Like we're we're really running out of time. I, I oh, gather yeah. that your question is you you're afraid that you might have medical reasons not to get to a, a vaccine, and nobody's talking uh-huh. about That's getting it. rid of those. Pardon me. Said so, you can you can get an exemption on medical reasons, uh, you know whatever those might be. Nobody is talking about getting rid of those.
5: But am I am I OK to get I'm still having those symptoms right now. I'm 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 I, I'm going eat my food. I get I get dizzy. You know, but Frank, you, you have to see
1: a doctor. Yeah, we can't doctor. diagnose you. Even Dr. Gorfinkel, I certainly can't diagnose anybody at any point. But but you have to see a doctor. Thanks very my doctor,
5: much. My doctor does not won't do any. He just says I might have a virus. And that was it.
1: Well, maybe you need a second opinion then if they're not yeah. taking your symptoms seriously because they have well, to listen. That's I
5: called you, and I, like I said, I not ask you for a diagnosis, but I, I, get, the, I get the picture. Ha- I can't take the, the flu shot, for one, and I'm going to have to get a more authoritative uh, look at what's going on.
1: Okay, good. Get a more authoritative shot. We're starting to run out of time. Now, Bruce and Guelph, you take offense to calling naturopaths quacks. I just want to clarify, we did not call naturopaths quacks. We called homeopaths quacks. And I think we stand by that, Ruth, in in Guelph. We didn't call naturopaths Guelphs. Okay, I thought you were loving them together. No, 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 no. I said I know naturopaths who object to vaccines, and I find that troubling, and I will stand by that. But, um, yeah.
5: I've talked to you before, Libya. I I, I own a business, and all I do is deliver medication for pharmacies in Guelph, okay? Okay. I don't take anything myself. I see people... When I'm taking the medicine, they're already high on something. They're already addicted to the, you know. You get there and oh, I need my sleeping pills for tonight, or I'm not going to be able to sleep because they're addicted to, it, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on and on. I take all natural stuff. I don't take any medication. Uh, my partner's mother, just to give you a few examples, used to uh, had bl- high blood pressure. She was taking the natural stuff, you know, the not sorry, the natural stuff, the regular stuff uh, that the doctors recommend. She got vertigo. She got dizzy. She couldn't hardly walk. We put her on natural stuff, which we get from the States because we can't get it in Canada. And she has no problem. Her blood pressure's down, no vertical. My partner's the same, and I'm the same.
1: Okay, that's I, good if it's working for you. I'm, I'm sorry to uh, cut you off, but okay. uh, basically, we have to wrap the show. Thanks very much for your call. Uh, it, I, it's a problem, even from what we're hearing here. Uh, some people believe too much what they hear on social media when they're saying that experiences like the caller had are, are common they are not common they're
2: totally not common Good. and never mind although vaccine hesitancy is a thing and it definitely affects probably about 30% of people
1: wow i thought it was only 20 but the
2: thing about that that figure whether it's 20 or 30 you know we're splitting hairs the thing those individuals the vast majority we're talking well over 95% of them want good information. And I think as doctors, that's our job to provide them with good information to ensure that, like any medication, the choice is not side effects or no side effects, but rather what if I do versus what if I don't, and trying to weigh those on the scales of justice.
1: Okay um that's all the time we have boy uh we're going to be talking about this again and i know that we're certainly going to have some shows in the future on various different vaccines and uh we will be hearing from you and yes uh this is not a case where i am objective i'm on the side of getting everybody vaccinated who can be vaccinated because uh Uh, that helps keep all of us safe. And thank you so much, Dr. Ivers Gorfinkel. For the
2: record, I do not show people the door who refuse vaccinations now. That was many years ago. But that Mm -hmm. said, I'm also highly in favor of
1: vaccination. Okay, but but we'll talk about it again, people.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.